The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Well, good morning. Good morning again. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Penny, and I'm the senior pastor here and it is good to be with you. Uh, if you are a guest or a visitor, welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning as uh, we gather for worship. It's, it's uh, fun to be able to uh, gather uh, on Christmas Day. Um, when Christmas Day falls on a Sunday, it is, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of fun, um, right, for us to be able to uh, come together and to uh, celebrate uh, not just that our Lord is resurrected, that's what we often point to on Sunday, um, but also that we can be mindful of his first coming, of his advent. And so it is good to be with you. Merry Christmas. Um, well, this morning I do want to take a few moments and consider an aspect of Jesus' birth that comes from Luke's gospel. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Uh, there are also Bibles in the chairs in front of you, and we'll project the passage on the screen in just a moment. But this is a portion of Luke's uh, narrative, of Jesus's birth narrative, where the angel comes to Mary and is declaring to her that she is going to bear a son, where the virgin is going to bear the Lord Jesus. It's a wonderful story, um, one that I'm sure many of us are familiar with, but, but I want us to hear it again uh, because it is so beautiful and because uh, we need to be reminded of this story, of Jesus's first coming. And so uh, let us go to the word uh, with new ears, new eyes. Beginning in verse 26, uh, Luke writes this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the, a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask as we come to it now that you would uh, teach us what it means to be your people. Teach us what it means to follow you. Teach us what it means for us to say uh, that, that we will go wherever you lead. And we will do whatever you call us to. So, Father, be with us now, be present amongst us, and we pray in Christ's name, amen. 
So I think we all love and appreciate stories of ordinary people coming out of nowhere, seemingly doing extraordinary things, right? We call these stories the triumph of the human spirit. They're underdog stories. They're David and Goliath type stories, right? This, this is the theme and, and the trajectory of many movies, right? Many blockbusters are built around this. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things, right? Rocky. He comes out of seemingly obscurity to become the champ, champion of the world. Frodo leaves the Shire and goes and destroys the ring of power. Rudy, who had no business ever donning a helmet at Notre Dame, runs out onto the field to the chance of Rudy. Right? Y'all know that one. Yeah. Right? We love the ordinary doing extraordinary things. And I was thinking about that, uh, that, that maybe that's one of the reasons why we love the Christmas story so much. Because there's this seemingly ordinary person and an extraordinarily, extraordinary thing comes about through her. Right? That, that there is something amazing happening through a very ordinary girl. Now, of course, Mary is going to become to be remembered as, as being the, the mother of Jesus, right? The, the one who bore the Son of God. And we know how this plays out, but, but try just for this morning to, to hear it with new ears, right? That there's nothing that we read in this passage. I know that there's much we know now, but in this passage leading up to this point, there was nothing that would have led us to believe that Mary stood out from all of her peers, that she was any different than anyone else, right? She would have expected to live a, a normal life, the normal life of a normal Jewish girl. And that's what she was, was a girl. Most commentators think she was probably between 12 and 14 when this took place. And she was expecting that her life would look like probably all of her peers, right? She would have a husband, she would have some children, she would make a home and do some work. She would just lead a normal life. Now, sure, Mary was marrying into the line of David, but her husband wasn't royalty. He wasn't a man of power. He was a simple carpenter. She expected a very normal, very quiet, and a completely forgettable life. Nothing would have stood out. She'd be like the women that we see on the streets as we walk into a restaurant downtown or the woman in the line ahead of us at Kroger. Nothing for good or ill would have caught our attention. Now think about this. If we were writing a story about the coming king, the king of the universe, we probably wouldn't include Mary, right? A 12 to 14-year-old girl, not of noble birth, by her own admission in verse 48 in her song, The Magnificat, when she sings of what God has done, she calls herself one of humble estate. There's nothing about her that would cause us to think that she would bear the Son of God. And that's not just us that would be surprised by this. Mary is as well. Did you see that when the angel came and declares that she will bear Jesus, do you see the reasons he gave? It wasn't because she was beautiful. It wasn't because of her social standing. And it wasn't even because of her humility. In verse 28, the angel says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Mary is given this great privilege of bearing Jesus simply because of God's favor. The word that's used there, favored one, that word favored, 
It means to show kindness to someone with the implication of graciousness on the part of the one showing kindness. And so the emphasis of this word is on the one showing the kindness, not on the one receiving it. And Mary understood this. That's why we're told in verse 29 that she was greatly troubled. Troubled and distressed. Because she had no reason to be favored. And yet that's just like God's kindness, isn't it? That's what we see God doing throughout scripture time and again, over and over again. Showing favor to those that we wouldn't expect favor to come to. Right? Like when he showed favor to Hannah when she asked for a child. Or when he made the youngest and smallest son of Jesse, David, the one who, remember, he was out in the fields. And when Samuel the prophet came to anoint the next king, they forgot about him. They're like, there's no way David's the one. And yet he's the very one God raised up. Or like when he took an exiled woman named Esther and made her the queen of Persia. This is what God does, isn't it? This is what we see him doing time and again. He's kind to the humble. He shows love to the weak. He pours favor on the ordinary. And he uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Look at verses 30 through 31. The angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, again, we've heard this so many times before that it doesn't strike us as being all that big of a deal, right? Like, this is like, of course, this is what happens. We know the story so well, but, but think about this. This should cause us to pause. Luke has made it abundantly clear that Mary is a virgin, and yet she's going to bear a son. This shouldn't be lost on us, and it certainly isn't lost on her. This is why she asks, how will this be? She asks the question everyone should be asking, how can this be because I am a virgin? It doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. But the angel is declaring that what's impossible for man is possible with God. That the extraordinary is about to happen. Now, you know, the... I think the reason we like these like triumph of the human spirit type uh, movies and themes and whatnot is because it's, it's the person, the ordinary person who, who raises themselves up, who works hard enough, who trains enough, and they become extraordinary, right? They, they do it in of themselves, but you notice that's not what happens here. That's not what occurs it's not Mary who's doing the extraordinary, it's God doing it through her. It's not Mary who's extraordinary, it's the child that will come that is. Look at verses 32 through 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This extraordinary child will be the heir of David. So this is hearkening back to 2 Samuel 7, that promise that God made to David and to his people that one day there would be a king that would come in the line of David who would sit on David's throne and he would rule over the whole earth forever. That was the promise that was made. And that promise was made roughly about 900 years before the angel's announcement to Mary. 
Think about that. 900 years. 900 years. I, I imagine that in that time, as, as each king came after David, that the people would wonder, maybe this is the one. Only to be disappointed when it became apparent that they weren't. Right? 900 years they kept waiting. 900 years for the promise to be fulfilled. I mean, we get annoyed when, when we have to wait for our video to buffer. <laughs> 900 years? Maybe hope started to fade. Maybe the people started to wonder if God's promise would be fulfilled. But what the angel is telling Mary and is telling us is that the promised one has come. That their hope isn't in vain because the heir of David has come. The heir of David, this extraordinary child who isn't just the heir of David, but he's actually the son of God. That's what verse 35 says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. You see, Jesus isn't a king like all the other kings. He's not just one who comes in the line of David. He does. But he is also the one who comes as the divine Son of God. This is why he is extraordinary. It was Chrysostom, one of the early church fathers, who on a Christmas Eve sermon, he wrote this. Speaking of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem this day resembles heaven. Hearing from the stars the singing of angelic voices and in place of the sun enfolds within itself on every side the sun of justice. What shall I say? And how shall I describe this birth to you? For this wonder fills me with astonishment. The ancient of days has become an infant. He who sits upon the sublime and heavenly throne now lies in a manger. God is now on earth. God is now on earth. Y'all, that is extraordinary. The very son of God, the heir of David. This is the one to whom Mary will bear. Now that's a lot for a 12 to 14 year old girl to take in. Right? I mean, that would be a lot for a 22 or a 32 or a 42 year old woman to take in, wouldn't it? So think about how you would respond to that. I mean, I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. And I want you to think about the, the emotions that would maybe be welling up in your heart, the, the questions that would be filling your mind. Fear, anxiety, concern. I mean, it's going to be her responsibility to raise the king of the universe. I mean, we get nervous about raising our own children, right? <laughs> Rightfully so. But the king of the universe, the one who is in the beginning with the father, before there were the heavens and the earth, the one who created the world is now going to be placed into the hands of his creation. So how would you respond to that? Now, I wouldn't blame Mary if she would have said, hold on, isn't there someone else? <laughs> Please, could there be someone else? Right? Like, like, isn't there someone with more experience? Like, let me go find my mom. She raised me. I think I came out okay. She might be better suited for this responsibility. 
right? We could imagine that, couldn't we? We wouldn't blame her if she was saying there's got to be someone, anyone, someone more talented, more prepared, more ready to take on this responsibility. I wouldn't blame her if that's how she would have responded. But that's not how she responded. Instead of fear or doubt or resistance or trying to pass it off onto someone else, what does she respond with? Obedience. In verse 38, she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Y'all don't minimize that. It's very easy for us to focus on the angel's words in this passage, but, but don't make light of this. Because Mary knew her culture. And Mary knew the world in which she lived in. And she knew that when she was found to be pregnant and Joseph wasn't the father, she knew that she would be ostracized, that she would be whispered about, that she would be sneered at. She knew that when she recounted the details of what happened, of the angel's words, people would have thought that this was simply a cover-up. It was a concocted story. It was a way of, of trying to make scandal go away, right? We could imagine people would have said, sure, Mary, we believe you. An angel came, and the Holy Spirit came upon you, and you are bearing the Son of God, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? They would have laughed at her whispered about her and mocked her and she knew that would come and yet how does she respond i am the servant of the lord y'all this response is nothing short of heroic obedience she will obey the lord no matter the cost to her reputation or her name i am the servant of the lord now, most of us, adventurers say probably none of us will be called to this sort of heroic obedience. And many of us will probably not be mocked or derided or whispered about because of our faith or because of our obedience to the Lord, though some might. But regardless of our circumstance, we are all called to stand before this extraordinary child who has been born of this very ordinary girl and respond with the same words of that girl, I am the servant of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have sent our Lord Jesus, the one who took on flesh, who was born of Mary. You sent our Lord Jesus, the heir of David, the very son of God, to live, to die, and to rise again. And so we stand before you and we declare we are the servants of the Lord. So we ask, lead us, guide us, show us the way that we are to go so that we would be your faithful people and we would serve our faithful, covenant-keeping, loving God. And it's in your name that we pray. And God's people said together, amen.